We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code Rotowire when you deposit for a free contest entry today. I'm your host, Josh Hayes, joined as always on Mondays by Benny Ricciardi, as we are back again breaking all the latest, breaking down all the latest fantasy basketball news. We're going to be breaking down the Sunday box scores as well, and Benny and I are going to bring you our top 10 point guard power rankings here for week four early on this season. Don't forget you can always check out Benny on Twitter at BennyR11 and over at RotoCurve, RotoWire, and as a featured writer on the DraftKings Playbook. And you can also follow me on Twitter at JoshHayesFS and find me hosting the Fantasy Hoops Insider podcast over at TheFantasyHoopsInsider.com. Benicio, what's going on, my man? Not too much. Uh, had a pretty good weekend. Had some nice uh, basketball sweats on Friday and Saturday, so yeah. that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, avoided a good deal of the carnage that took down a lot of people's NFL rosters yesterday. So I got, Yeah, I got caught up in know. the mix of that. Charkandrick West, a lot uh, of injuries going down um, yeah, for, so. for a lot of people. It's like fairly ugly. Um, anybody who had some shares of DeMarco Murray, DeMarco Murray gets called out. That's always fun. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty big bloodbath in terms of NFL. But you know what? NBA sort of kind of made up for things for me, and I know for you as well. So that's pretty cool. And also, you know what? I want to give a quick shout-out to uh, one of our uh, followers on Twitter and listeners, uh, David, who's on Twitter at com eight. Uh, 110. He sent us a tweet of him uh, taking down second in the uh, 10K uh, Sunday NFL bomb. I know this is the fantasy basketball show, but you know this is the first show. So if he listens all throughout the season, you know, uh, congrats to him and uh, thanks for listening. So he congratulated us or thanked us for our 
um, you know, expertise in helping him set his lineups here on the Rotowire pods, and we definitely appreciate that. So uh, there you have that. All right, um, Benny, let's go ahead and d- uh, dive right in here before we uh, get into the uh, latest in NBA news and the box score breakdowns. I want to let you know that the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast is available five days a week on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you get a chance to rate or review us, please go ahead and do so, and don't forget to share and subscribe. Let's go ahead and uh, jump right into the latest uh, fantasy basketball news here. According to Chris Fedor on Twitter, Jared Cunningham could start on Monday night with Matthew Delvado dealing with an unspecified ankle injury and Mo Williams listed as doubtful with the right ankle and leg issue. So he had a little bit of a setback. Doesn't look like either could be ready. So anybody who's looking to um, stash a guy or maybe stream somebody for a day, Jared Cunningham's out there. I don't think I'd really play him in like in a daily transaction league or even DFS. Well, what what about you, Benny? Yeah, I think that the bigger news for me is going to be the increase in production that goes to all the other guys in the starting five. Because you know, like we were talking about off air before we got on here, they're just going to kind of stick him in the corner. You know. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. He's going to just be like. Um, you know, Bruce Bowen or, or Thabo Cephalosha or anything else like that. Just play your defense and hit an open jumper if we pass it to you. So not too much value overall there. Uh, San Antonio Express News is reporting that LaMarcus Aldridge remains questionable for Monday. He's battling a left ankle sprain as well. Danny Green said he looked okay when they interviewed him um, uh, off the court, but it looks like you're going to get uh, sort of have to check back closer to the lineup lock if you're looking to roll him in weekly leagues or as a, you know, a person that you're going to play today or in DFS as well. Uh, the Los Angeles Daily News is reporting that uh, DeAndre Russell is now calling 90% of the plays, and Byron Scott was quoted as saying he needs that confidence there. What do, you, what do you make of a rookie who is shooting as poorly as he has overall on a team that's playing very bad? Um, is this a good thing for him like for long-term development to give him this sort of responsibility given the offensive struggles that he has and given the fact that Kobe you know, put up a brick house. I don't even know they had brick houses in LA. Did you know that? Um, but apparently they do. Cause Kobe went six for 22. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I did not know that. And I also really don't think this is as big a deal for NBA. You know, like if it's NFL and you're letting a rookie quarterback call the plays, that's a big deal to me. Um, in the NBA though, especially in the NBA with the short shot clock, like a lot of stuff is, it's not like a lot of teams are running, complicated offenses you know a lot of it is you know you know pass screen away to open up space and you know i mean having to having him call the plays or not call the plays to me really is not that big a deal i think it if anything it kind of shows that they're giving you know they're putting a little bit of confidence in the kid but you know i I don't really think in the overall scheme of things it's not like it's going to help him become a better basketball player you know like in football if you give it to the quarterback you know you're you're giving him the ability to read the defense and change everything up you know you only play man-to-man in the nba so it's not like you're reading the defense and making any calls i mean to me the the nba is more about matchups so your job as a point guard is to make sure you get the ball to the guy with the best matchup and you know let him exploit it so you can do that whether you're running a play or whether you're pushing the ball up the floor that's just kind of, you know, knowing how to play basketball. So I don't really think it's a huge deal, to be honest. All right, so that, so you feel like sort of it's a little bit overblown? Is basically yeah, uh, for, for NBA, I think it is. You know, like I said, for NFL, it's a different situation if you're giving a quarterback something. But for NBA, I don't really think it's that big a deal. With a 24-second shot clock, the point guard should be calling the place because you don't have time to really mess around and wait for the coach to call it in unless the you know coach is calling it as they're running up the floor. But when you're in a 40,000-person arena and everybody's screaming, you can't hear the coach anyway. So, <laughs> Okay. So fire all the coaches and just let the players play. That's well, I analysis. mean, to, you know, to be honest, the, the coach you know, the coach shouldn't be that into the game. If you don't have enough faith in the kid to let him run the show, then he shouldn't be the point guard over there anyway. That's the way I look at it. All right. Fair enough. I th- I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I agree there. I think we've seen some Sixers play some zone. That might be a good thing for them, actually, last year. They, they need to do something else because they're on the ball defense in every spot other than, like, Grant and Noel is ugly. And Grant and Noel are actually, to me, plus defenders. But when you have three negative defenders on the floor like that, you know, and who are also struggling, I believe, like, I saw a stat that said that Jaleel Okafor leads the league and in, in, um, shots blocked with 27 on the season. So this is sort of a thing that, like, every big man struggles through. So give a credit to him for, like, still leading all rookies and scoring. But Elton Brand had to, you know, 
I remember him talking about this sort of same with Justin as well. He's like, you know, I was six nine playing for Duke, and I was like, you know, usually almost always the biggest man on the court, if not the second biggest. And the guy who's guarding me was wasn't was never almost almost never any bigger. And then all of a sudden, I had to make adjustments because I'm going up against six eleven guys with seven three wingspans over at the four, and mm. you know, I'm not able to just you know turn around and lay it off the glass every time. Like in college, so um, we'll see how he how quickly he tends to adjust. But actually, it's to me actually it's a scary thought that he's averaging 19 plus a game and leading the league in shots. One, he's getting a ton of shots and he's not shooting nearly as efficiently as he should as a big man. But two, if you're still able to get that much, you know, of your own game, you know, involved, and they trust you enough to to put the rock in the hoop that much, then what happens when he figures it out? You know, mm-hmm. he could be he could be an absolute monster, especially in yep. the East. So, arrow up for one. That's one bright spot for you, Philly fans. There you have it. That's all we got for you. Um, let's go ahead and continue with the news here. Rudy Gay said that he expects to tr- return on Monday. This was going to ruin a lot of DFS lineups who, for people who are trying to stream on Caspi because there aren't a great uh, amount of ton cheap options. It's going to be tougher for you to create a uh, Russell Westbrook cousin stack and so I'm a little bit annoyed by that personally. Yeah, so. I actually have um I picked up Caspi in my in my season long league over on ESPN mm-hmm. hoping that I was going to get some, you like know, two weeks of injury points. or yeah, something. Yeah, you know, basically like burn him out there for the next couple of weeks and then drop him for somebody else when Gay comes back, but Right. Well, Caspi still has some value happening. but not mm-hmm. nearly as much without the the 30 plus minutes that you wanted him to get. Yeah. So um, Lowell Dang is battling a hamstring injury. He's a game time call according to uh, Jason Leiser on Twitter. And Kobe hints again that this is his final season. I'm going to go f- one step further and say it's time to make up a fake injury and maybe call it your final game, Kobe, because he has like no ability to get to the rack. He, everyone knows he's shooting the J like every time. I'm, I've, I'm seriously, literally have not seen Kobe put it on the ball once, on the floor, put the ball on the floor once. And I haven't been watching every Laker game admittedly, so I'm sure it's there somewhere. But the first time I see him make a layup and a highlight will be um, the first time all season. So I, I think it's just like you're there honestly, seriously better playing like Nick Young at the, at the, at the three or even Ryan Kelly maybe, which is – you know, blasphemy to say over Kobe Bryant, but the guy's done. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I still don't know if I'd put Nick Young over him, but. <laughs> wow. A lot of hatred for Nick Young. Yeah, I, I'm not a swaggy P fan. Is it too much of a gunner for you? What, what's the deal? Yeah, I just, I don't think he does anything positive for the team. I think he's, he just is out there to, to look good. And he's the best three point shooter on the team. He's the best three point shooter in the league, if you ask him. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, it's not like it's a like a something to be proud of, you know. Yeah, I would like, rather see. I would honestly rather see Jordan Clarkson play 40 minutes a game. Oh, you, you listen than any of these other guys. You're a thousand percent preaching to the choir here. You don't have to talk to me about Jordan Clarkson. We're like, I'm all in. We, if you want to talk about this, this guy, we've I said this over and over, and you've reiterated this, and I don't even think we we all said we both said this separately. Like Jordan Clarkson's the best player uh, on the floor. On, on the team, hands down. So uh, there you have that. Uh, Derek Rose is on track to return on Tuesday, according to the Chicago uh, Tribune. Uh, all Jimmy Butler owners uh, are going to, you know, collectively sigh and cry now that Derek Rose is going to come back in the lineup. And- I mean, you're still going to get good production out of Jimmy. It's not like you're going to bench the guy right now, but, man, he was really, really good without Rose. <laughs> yeah, he was. So um, sorry. Sorry, guys. Um, Nikola Jokic double doubles against Warriors. Uh, interesting comment. I was listening to the game on on my drive in, and uh, Mike Miller actually said that he was there when the the Grizzlies first um, picked up Marcus All as a rookie in the league, and he says Nikola Jokic is farther along in his development at his age than at the same age as Marcus Soul. And this is two double doubles here in the last three games. So an 11-11 with two assists and two steals and a block against the Warriors. So nice upside here. But you know what's scary is they, they have three of the same guy in my mind. It's like Jokic, Lavernier, and Nurkic are all this guy. Score mm-hmm. inside, outside, rebound well, block, do a little bit of everything, you know. So now see, that's, that's actually my problem with him is that He's not a guy who they're going to go and roll out there for 30, 35 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he has upside, and you can see him. And, I mean, if you play in, like, a dynasty NBA league, you know, he's somebody that you might want to, you know, grab on your team and stash. Sure. But I don't see him really 
consistently playing over 25 minutes a game because they are, you know, once all those guys are healthy, what you really need is one or two of those guys to be, like, out for the year Mm -hmm. because then you can kind of see him getting 28, 30 minutes, at which point if he's able to keep doing what he's doing, I think that, you know, he's somebody that you got to consider who's probably sitting on most waiver wires, I would assume. Yeah. So, um, you know, you're, it's going to be a tough situation once everybody gets healthy. So this is his chance now to lock it down and, you know, show that he deserves, you know, 30-plus minutes. So we'll see how that ends up shaking out. Chandler Parsons played a season-high 24 minutes uh, overall, so his minutes are finally starting to ramp up. 12 points, 2 triples, 3 rebounds, no assists or anything else. So slowly coming along, but, you know, for people who took a chance and, and rostered him can maybe start to consider giving him regular playing time because it looks like he's starting to get closer to uh, healthy uh, as we move along this season. I believe that's going to wrap up uh, the majority of the news here. Oh, um, last couple pieces of news. Paul Millsap was spotted wearing kinesio tape on his right shoulder. So, um, you know, it sounds like it's a minor issue. It's something he'll probably play through, but something to keep an eye on. All right. Um, before we move ahead into uh, the next piece of the show where we go box score breakdowns, I want to let you know that you can be part of the fantasy action all season long at DraftKings.com, the official daily fantasy basketball partner of RotoWire. With daily fantasy, you don't need to spend months on micromanaging a roster. You can play whenever you want and pick a new team every time you play. Challenge your friends in a custom league to prove you're the superior GM or square off against basketball fans from around the country for big prizes. Go to DraftKings.com right now and use it, enter the promo code here RotoWire to play free. DraftKings, the official partner of RotoWire. That's promo code RotoWire at DraftKings.com. All right, uh, let's go ahead and get into the box score breakdowns here, Benny. And we're going to talk about the Phoenix versus New Orleans game here. Shootout a little, a little bit, 122 to 116. Your thoughts on the box score breakdown for Fantasy Impact in this in this matchup? All right, well, the first thing that popped out to me um, – Phoenix basically didn't use a center because New Orleans was using Anthony Davis as their center for a good portion of this game. They basically only had Chandler kind of in there when Omira Seek was in there. So the fact that um, Asik is back is something that, you know, you should look at and put on your radar. He's not playing big minutes yet, and it's not like he did much in, you know, some of these early games. But he's a guy who we've seen that's a, you know, legit double-double threat when he sees 25, 30 minutes. Uh, but the thing that I really noticed is this is the first game in about a week or two that Markeith Morris is back up to like 30, 35 minutes. So he's a guy that I actually drafted on a season-long team, and I basically have had him just sitting on my bench. He was injured. He actually missed a couple games. He came back. They were working him in slow. But he played 35 minutes in this one, so I'm hoping he's going to get back. Let's face it, I mean, he's their best forward that they have. So we need him to get back to playing 30, 35 minutes. I think that this is the first step. I'm hoping to see him do it again tonight. If I do, then I think he's safe to put back in your starting lineups as, you know, someone who you just kind of plug and play there for the rest of the season, uh, you know, if you have him on your team. All right, fair enough. Uh, Now, the next thing I want want to ask here is we sort of see some, sort of seen some extended production um, out of, Brandon Knight, and this isn't actually a monster game, but it's a nice game. Nineteen to seven with three mm. rebounds and, and two steals, uh, so and seven and eight from the line. Hit hit two trays. Are you buying into Brandon Knight as a legitimate, um, you know, like top fifty ish player? Somebody who could make a case for, um, you know, I, I you know I don't think he can actually can be considered a point guard anymore. First of all, that's the thing I want to yeah, say. Yeah, I think he's more a shooting guard right. at this point because Bledsoe to me is more the point guard on that team. Right, even though he had seven assists and Bledsoe had six, Bledsoe's been leading the team in assists. So we just sort of need to put that out there. Although he is point guard eligible everywhere, um, like DFS mm-hmm. and season long. So something to keep an eye on as a distinction. He's basically trying to score more, and he's always sort of lean towards that throughout his career anyhow. So probably he feels better that he gets to play his natural position because Bledsoe is a guy who plays the one who can guard twos and they can sort of switch off on defense. So um, are you buying um, Brandon Knight as a person maybe going to the next level? He actually shot pretty bad in this game, 5 of 18, but still produced a pretty good fantasy line overall. Uh, yeah, I mean, here's my thing with with Bledsoe, and I realized that he had an epic week. Like, if you're somebody who plays in weekly leagues for season long, you know, you, you definitely got more than your money's worth out of him last week. Are we, are we talking Bledsoe or Knight? Because my question was about Knight. Uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I thought we were talking about Knight to begin with. Okay, gotcha. Um, but let me let me talk about Knight first, and then we'll talk a little about Bledsoe. But 
Um, here's my thing with Knight. If you look at those two huge games that he had last week, one was against the Los Angeles Lakers, who basically everybody has had huge games against this year. Mm-hmm. And the other one was against the Denver Nuggets, who's another team that, you know, basically is the team we want to try to start as many of our guys or stream them in there when they're playing the Nuggets as possible. So while he did have two humongous games last week, to get back to the original question, I still think this is Eric Bledsoe's team. You know, if I had to choose between these two, I think I'd still rather have Bledsoe as the, you know, the, the one guard that I wanted from the Suns. Now, he did leave the game yesterday a little bit early. Um, I know we were talking about this beforehand. They said it was a leg injury, but he came back in and he was fine. I think Bledsoe is still the guy on this team that I would rather have. He's still, well, with the exception of the last couple you know, games last week, he's still the guy that takes more shots, has the ball in his hand more, creates more of the offense, and he's usually doing a lot of the other stuff too. Like He's a better rebounder. He gets a few more of the steals and the blocks. He's a better defensive player, so... I will take Bledsoe overnight if I had to choose between the two of them. All right, fair enough. I would take Bledsoe too. I think Bledsoe is like like a legit um, triple double threat, uh, and and Brandon Knight is more of like a scoring guy who may get you a double double assist occasionally, but it's never gonna like rebound or steal or block shots enough to be considered in the same breath with uh, Eric Bledsoe. Right. Yeah, like if you can if you can get rid of Knight now and get, you know, something good for him, like if somebody offered you a Knight for Bledsoe trade right now, mm-hmm. I think you take Bledsoe and you don't even look back. All right, fair enough. Um I and I, I th- that's a that's an auto call, auto accept for me. Now, mm-hmm. now I want to flip to the uh, New Orleans game here. Ryan Anderson had a big monster night. The guy plays 33 minutes. Actually shoot, she only shot 6 of 15 and 0 for 2. Um, oh, no, sorry. I'm, I'm looking at Ish Smith's line right behind him. 8 of 14, 4 for 7 from 3, 29 points, 5 rebounds. So that's uh, pretty strong. Uh, and it's interesting that he was able to do that in uh, 33 minutes worth of time. It sort of looks like it, his minutes are coming at the expense of Omar Sheik, who played 14 minutes and is really just getting hated on on a serious level. I know that he's just coming out with the injury, but those minutes really haven't been there for them. Now, my question for you is Drew Holly versus Ish Smith. What do you do if you're an owner of either one of these situations? I mean, is Holiday back for good now, or are they still doing this, like, letting him play one game and kind of sitting him the next game kind of deal? Um, from what I heard is, like, he, um, Holiday will play back-to-backs if he gives clearance. Like, he feels okay, tells the coach he's okay. If he's not okay, then, you know, then it's all the Ish Smith all the, all the time. So Yeah, I mean, I think, like, it, it depends on what kind of league you're playing in. If you're playing in a league that, you know, accrue stats, and it's a day that Holiday's in. I mean, I'm not playing Holiday in any format right now until, you know, he gets back up to that 30, 35-minute-a-game kind of guy. Ish Smith, though, to me, is a little bit more interesting. If you have to lock it in in, like, a weekly league where you're not allowed to make any changes for the week, the guys that you have are the guys that you have, I, I don't really love Ish Smith in those kind of leagues because you never know. It could be a game where he plays 24 minutes and Holiday plays 24 you know that that tends to be the way that it kind of works out on a you know on a basis lately daily. So, I mean, again, if you're if you're going down to get a guy like Ish Smith, you're probably in a very very deep league, like 14 teams or more. And even then, he's still like a borderline guy between playing and and being a bench guy for me. I just I, I don't see a lot of upside with him. When he plays, he actually does pretty well. I mean, he's putting up some decent numbers lately, but. I just don't see him getting a ton of time as long as Holiday and Gordon are both healthy. Yeah, I totally agree with you there as well. So we'll we'll see how it ends up happening. I guess if I choose a guy, it would be Ish Smith right now. But I just, you know, it could be a frustrating situation going forward if he continues to get healthy, or you know, if um, you know, they sort of play merry-go-round round with the minutes. You're gonna like Ish's games one day, and the next day you're gonna be like, geez, I wish that he would just either do one or the other. So yeah, there you have that. All right, um, that's pretty much a wrap for me on this uh, Portland and Orleans game here. Let's go ahead and flip over to uh, Blake Griffin, probably having one of the worst games he's had in quite a long time against the Toronto Raptors. They win by 11, 90 to 81, low scoring game overall. Uh, your thoughts on the box score for either one of these matchups? Yeah, I mean, this was the thing that jumped out to me right away was the score. I mean, 91 to 80 against with these two teams. I know that Toronto is a pretty good defensive team and, you know, but still, I mean, I haven't seen anybody limit the Clippers to 80 points with uh you know, healthy Chris Paul and everybody else in there playing. So that was, uh, you know, that was kind of shocking to me. I didn't see this game going the way it did. 
What I did notice about this game, though, and I've noticed it about a couple of the Toronto games recently, is that their starters are playing huge minutes. Like, their bench, they're only basically going, you know, seven or eight guys deep. The coach has really shortened up the rotation, and their starters are all playing, like, 35 to 40 minutes lately. Um, even the guys like Scola and Biombo, who are, you know, basically they rotate in, a, like, like five or six different bigs because they don't really have any very good bigs. Um, but even those guys are playing like 25, 30 minutes lately. So I think that that's good for fantasy. You get, you're going to get a couple extra minutes out of everybody that plays for them, everybody who starts for Toronto. So if you get stuck into a spot where you're looking for some guys, you know, like a guy like Scola is on the, the waiver wire in a lot of leagues, and he's putting up some pretty decent numbers here and there. He's not very consistent with it, but he's had a couple games where he's gotten double-digit rebounds. He's had a couple games where he scored, you know, 15, 20 points. So he could be one of those guys that if you have some injuries and you just need to go scouring the waiver wire, you know, he could be somebody that can give you some decent production for a couple games, especially the way that they're running things right now. Um, obviously, Lowry is the is the stud. He's the guy that you would want. I think DeMar Carroll back now, he seems to be healthy. He's back up to playing 35, 40 minutes, so he's in play. And uh, DeMar DeRozan, those are the three guys that I would be concentrating on uh, if I was Toronto. Again, they, you know, this isn't the only game we've seen them play at a little bit of a slower pace, too. So you're not going to get huge upside out of them, but they are paced up in most matchups against teams that they play. And those three guys seem to be getting the bulk of the minutes the bulk of the shots the bulk of the scoring so those would be the guys that i'd look for but uh again as long as the rotation is short and these guys are playing big minutes they're good guys you want to have for fantasy yeah i agree with with you there as well so we'll, we'll see how it ends it all into playing out i think it's going to be a fluid situation here with biombo who got big minutes because of deandre jordan but in smaller lineups i could see you know patrick patterson getting some more more minutes and it looks like one of the primary beneficiaries is going to be Luis Scola because he's really their only yeah. legit like front court scorer who's playing mm-hmm. 30 minutes right now. Patrick Patterson could be that guy um, if he, you know, if they end up doing what they could do, which is you know play him beyond both 13 minutes like they played a chic in smaller lineups. But overall, I guess that's sort of what we're uh, looking at here. Um, taking a look at the back half of the roster, you just continue to um, want nobody else at small forward on the, on the LA Clippers. Everyone else is getting an ugly amount of minutes. Lance Stevenson is probably like the biggest beneficiary or whatever he did. He found himself quickly into um, uh, Doc Rivers' doghouse here, playing just five minutes for the LA Clippers. And to me, he's far and away the best uh, small forward or should be and yeah. you know Josh Smith Wesley Johnson Austin do you remember, Rivers yeah do you remember two years ago when he was on the Pacers like he was a legitimately good player he like, was and he got offered double kind of stuff he was like, you know. he got offered 40 something million and he knew he tried to do the, the LeBron thing which is sign a two-year deal which now he's in the second year of with Charlotte and bet on himself big in free agency. And that has completely blown up in his face. So yep. he got some bad advice. This just reminds me of like Bonzi Wells, Latrell Sprewell, all these other threes who are really feeling themselves, you know, like, no, I'm not taking 30 million. And then they come back and are like, we'll give you 13 million. <laughs> and they're like, I'll take that. Yeah. Thank you very much. So, yeah. Um, I bet you anything right now, if you could turn back in time, he would go snap that 42 million. So, um, you know what? The, I, I honestly do think this too. Like at the end of this contract, he should just go back to Indiana and say, sign me for whatever you want to sign me for. And cause that's the only per- team and the only coach that really has like trusted him and put him in a rotation where he was actually, you know, um, making use of himself. It's like James Jones going back to the green Bay Packers. Does that make sense to you? Oh yeah, per, like that's that's actually a great analogy because, like I said, when he was on that Pacers team and Paul George was healthy and all that, they I were mean, they were le- yeah. yeah, they were legitimately good. Like he was putting up close to triple double numbers every game. Like he was emerging as a superstar. Right. He was he was like one of the most talked about like prep prospects in New York City history in like the last fifteen years. Mm-hmm. Lance Stevenson, yeah, like he was you know as an eighth grader, like people were like, "Oh, where's he going to go to high school?" Like everybody's so excited. And he had, like, a solid high school career. I think he went to Cincinnati, right? Didn't do a ton in college. You know, left early to go pro. So I've I've actually followed this kid and seen him play for a long time. And, like, he's just playing horrendously right now. Like, he was in that game the other day. He played five minutes. He had three fouls and not one other. Oh, he had one steal. The only other thing on the stat sheet was one steal. 
Yeah, I and think he he's a, like lost Syriot's confidence too. When you get to this point and yeah. you've and you've been like just like two consecutive coaches have really been like, listen, you're not doing anything right. Basically, mm-hmm. we're, we're we're asking you to do some basic stuff. He's starting out the season starting, and then for you to yeah. go from like first on the power forward, I'm sorry, the small forward depth chart to like, yeah, let's go ahead and start Grandpa Pierce over you because right now that's a better situation for us. That's a really big slap to your ego. You know, and yep. and Doc Rivers not for nothing is is got to know for like for some reason. Yeah, at this point, a old decrepit Paul Pierce is a better option than Lance Stevenson. That's some serious um, venom. Well, he's I yeah. mean he's dropped so far down that list that like he's behind guys like you know Wes Johnson and and, mm-hmm. and Josh Smith for playing time. I mean he's right. not even like the second option. That's what he's like the third or fourth option. You, you know who he's also yeah. behind? Um, Danny Manning. I heard Danny Danny Manning is <laughs> like he's like yeah. I'm, I bet you Danny Manning right now could come on on the floor and still uh, still put up ten and ten, or yeah. maybe like ten and five, and you know he could do Paul Pierce numbers right now. I think he can do that. Those are double the numbers that Lance Stevenson are averaging right now, easily. Yeah. So there you have it. There's some serious hatred on our part. Sorry, Lance, get your stuff together. Yeah. Get back to Indiana. Um, I mean, I was gonna say to finish up the Clippers. I mean, the rest of the guards are actually all healthy again. Mm-hmm. You got Chris Paul and JJ Redick were both back in this one, so that ticks down Crawford a little bit. He's still going to see some time though, mm-hmm. so he's not completely useless. But you know, he's not the guy who's going to be getting thirty, thirty-five minutes and scoring twenty points for you anymore. Right, and no, um, he's going to be you know back to his old numbers basically. And no need to like sort of hang on to a stream Austin Rivers right now. It's just too much no, of a uh, yeah, too much of a cluster going on you know between all those guys for you to really trust his mitts going for at least doc rivers is done with the whole let's play my son in the fourth quarter you know over starters thank god yeah he's like losing some serious credibility like mm-hmm. in nb circles in the streets you know i was at whole foods and some and gra- some grandma was like can you believe austin rivers played the fourth quarter i was like yeah. no i can't grandma you know i was just it's amazing she's like how stupid is that all right um let's go into boston versus brooklyn here uh nice combo performance here from the backcourt avery bradley and Isaiah thomas both continuing to make it rain uh like at seattle you know it's just like um it was just cloudy and raining in, in the backcourt but it didn't make enough of a difference because the front court just threw like collectively vomited for the uh boston celtics here i wonder if this is going to finally start backing backfiring in brad stevens's face here you know like uh you know, gave Jay Crowder 25 minutes, which is fine. He, you know, a little bit of foul trouble probably with four fouls. Jay Crowder has been one of the most consistent defenders on the team. Who, if there's anybody in the front court who deserves to play 30 plus minutes, it's Jay Crowder. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm actually a Jonas Jerebko like truther. I like him. I think he's uh, like a little bit of scrapper, but he would actually make more sense to me just like to let him do his hustle play thing and play play a small four. You know, over a guy like Amir Johnson or something like that. This and then Jared Sollinger to me is like a worse version of Al Horford. And I know Al Horford's like, wait, you're like, wait a minute, Josh. Al Horford's good. But what I mean by that is like he's a center who shouldn't be playing center. Just like Al Horford's a center who shouldn't be playing center. They're both fours, okay. And you know, this is what you want to know why you you're like you're sort of capped as far as what you can do defensively and move on to the next level is because everybody who has a legit option at center should destroy your guy in the paint. All right, with no yep. no exceptions. This is why you see, um, you know, like guys like Demarcus Cousins hand Al Horford their lunch, and the same sort of situation here with Brook Lopez going for twenty three and ten, which isn't even a mantra line; it's a very good line. But um, you know, Brook Lopez is one of the better centers in the league. No trouble at all with with Jared Sollinger, who he held down for nine, uh, you know, points and 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 ten rebounds. So. I'm always going to contend that, and I'd, they've got to figure out something else to do. To me, it actually just would be better. They, they were better off giving David Lee the minutes uh, that Amir Johnson was getting. So I don't know. What do you make of the whole situation? Yeah, I mean, there's quite a bit going on right now for the Celtics team. Uh, Marcus Smart is out, so I guess Avery Bradley's a real thing for them again to start off with. Um, and he played in this game, he played 39 minutes, so he's going to see a ton of minutes. I also kind of like Evan Turner again now because – if Smart is going to be out for a little while, you're going to get some decent minutes out of Turner, too. He did. So, you know, if you can get one of one or both of those guys who may have gotten dropped onto a waiver wire recently, um, I think it's definitely a, a spot where I would grab Avery Bradley and put him back. And if I really needed to in a 12-man or deeper league, I think Evan Turner is now a viable option, at least until, you know, Smart comes back, because those guys are going to be split into minutes. 
you know, Isaiah Thomas, obviously, he's been playing great. But, you know, if he's not owned in your league, then, you know, I want to be in your league if it's for money next year because that's just ridiculous. That's a problem, yeah. Yeah, that's that's just ridiculous. I agree with you on the Jay Crowder thing. He's been probably their best front court player. So I have no problem with him getting minutes. I have no problem even picking him up and putting him on a roster. He does a little bit of everything. He'll get you a few assists, get you a few rebounds, steals, blocks. He hustles. He doesn't have huge upside, but he's he's a solid guy that if he's you know someone you can pick up on a waiver wire or have as a throw-in in a trade, I'm okay with it. Yeah, poor man's Damari Carroll in mine is a good yeah. comp for Oh, yeah, yeah. For I Duke. would agree. I think I think that's a very good comp, actually. That makes a lot of sense. All right. Now, on the on the Brooklyn side, really nothing to see here. Everybody who is in the starting lineup played almost 30 minutes with the exception of Thad Young. Don't really know why he only played 28 because he was efficient. 11 points, 12 rebounds. Um, but regardless, they had the game in hand. Uh, so really nothing to know here. The r- rotation seems to be intact. Andre Bagnana played 21 minutes and, and, and played well, but you don't really care. Or you don't really trust him, and you don't expect him to crack the starting lineup. So it's all just business as usual if you're taking a flyer on uh ronde hollis jefferson you're you know the guy had five steals so that was pretty awesome of him and he's an athletic um you know rookie playing the two guards so that's nice mm-hmm. but you know for, for the most part i'm not expecting a ton of production production from him no. overall he is though I, I in his defense though i will say they're giving him a lot of minutes lately they are i just want to you know that he's clearly the fifth option on offense yes. you know oh yeah so. i mean like, like i'm not running out to get him on my team or anything like that right. but you know, if you're in a deep league and you're looking for somebody that can give you something, mm-hmm. you know, minutes is something to, to kind of hang your hat on at the very least. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and from that aspect, you can actually sort of, like, you know, give him a voter conference over a guy like Ben McLemore, who's, like, a starter yes. in name, but, like, mm-hmm. has been gotten just, like, an ugly amount of minutes overall. George Carl does not trust this guy, and he's had the same pro- sort of problem. The only person who really invested in the time into trying to develop him a lot was Mike Malone, you know? And so I don't know mm-hmm. if that was, like... um you know, owner mandated or whatever, but, um, you know, George call does whatever the hell he wants. He's like, yeah, <laughs> Bellinelli, get in there, bro. You're the better shooter. And he is, and he's also the worst defender, but you know, so we'll see how it all ends up shaking out. But Ronde Hollis Jefferson on the radar in, uh, deeper leagues. But so. really how much worse of a defender can you be? Like Macklemore was a turnstile last year. Didn't he was, Clay but Thompson like, have like 40 points in a quarter against he him or did, something? But you know, that Clay Thompson would have done that almost against anybody when you get into a groove. So there's one thing. Yeah. All right. The second thing too, is actually he has a skill set to be a good defender. He just needs like Doug Christie to get out of the booth and teach him how to play defense, you know, because the guy is super <laughs> athletic. And so the, he is. the skills to play good defense are there and you can see he's actually a willing defender, but for whatever reason he gets caught like taking the wrong, angle between screens or getting lost oh you know what i want to just share this theory with you okay since since we had the show i feel like i want to rant all right and i'm just going to give you my my quick two minute rant because deep down i feel like i should be a gm you know and which is like a foolish thing but i just want to do it anyway so my thought okay and the one thing i would change about nba defensively if i was on in any front office or any coaching staff i would stop letting wing defenders who are whose responsible is the corner whose responsibility is the corner three guy to be to continue to help down low they get burned every time you do you know what i'm specifically speaking about yes, yes. i do and i i, I hate how i understand every See, coach thing, teaches it this it teaches this yeah. way is it's like you know when you have a guy you know stop the ball going to the hole you have to stop the ball Right. Mm-hmm. But in reality, what you're doing is giving away a pretty high percentage three. And I think like if there, I, there's there's is some way to do the math. And there's if somebody who had access to like synergy software could probably tell us this. But if you thought about it this way and we, we took all the numbers in the NBA and added up all the corner threes made and then like sort of like um, match that up against all the like, you know, penetrating um, guards oh, or whatever, yeah, who yeah. are taking that shot to the basket, and they're saying, "What if that guy just stayed home and let that guy, sh- you know, let his defender just defend that, or, or let the, or let the help only come from the paint, where it's not somebody not responsible for a corny three guy or any three guy, right?" And then just see, but I bet you anything would be a net positive defensively because you see that's the way people change games and change momentums is with a three point shot, and so many teams. Are, everybody is is a good three point shooter now. Now it's just like an aberration if you're not a good three point shooter. So I would the only way I would do it is like okay, you're allowed to help only if you deny that pass. Okay, if you help, you better be like you better fake help and then be ready to jump the second he kicks because you're never they never close out quickly enough. No one ever closes out quickly enough. You what do you think about this? 
I mean, to play devil's advocate a little, though, if you leave it to the guards penetrating and the big guys being the ones who are stopping the penetration, you're going to wind up with a lot more dump-down passes inside to guys for dunks. And I think what you'll see if you actually run the numbers is, you know, what the percentage on, like, the drop-down pass for a dunk on a guy going to the basket is Mm -hmm. versus the percentage of the guy hitting the three from the corner. And basically, if the percentage of the drop-down dunk, which is probably like in the 80% range, is, you know, more than one and a half times the percentage of the three in the corner, you're better off giving up the three in the corner. Because if you got a guy shooting 40% from the corner and getting three points each time, the equivalent of that for a two-pointer would be 60% for the same amount of points. And I think on, like, drop-down dunks, you're probably looking at, like, an 80 or 90% success rate. So, I mean, as a coach, we always teach the same thing is, you know, take away. I can live with the guy shooting a 20-footer. I'm not, I don't want to give up a wide-open five-foot basket, you know, to a guy who's 6'10", standing on the block, you know, who's just going to catch and go up and dunk it and put it in. So, I, I can see the merit and I understand where you're coming from, but that's also part of a reason why teams are starting to get guys that can actually shoot the ball again so that they can spread the floor. So, you know, everything in basketball goes in cycles. There's always, you know, an action, a reaction. People see the way the Warriors are playing now, so now everybody wants to play that way. And then you're going to have a, you know, like a Detroit Piston team from a couple years ago who concentrates on defense and is able to stop all that stuff come along. And then everybody's going to try to play that way to stop all the teams that are shooting it. So, you know, it, that's where I think coaching in this league really comes into play is being able to, you know, set up a strategy where you put your team in the best chance to win games. So I can see the point, and I still think I would rather give up the three in the corner than, uh, you know, drop down down low to, uh, you know, to a six foot ten guy five feet from the basket. Okay, I think that's fair for me personally. I think what you what you see is there's like an almost an overemphasis to find that guy who's open for three. So when you start um, sort of taking that away, you're going to get a guy who was like, oh man, I thought I was going to pass this. You know what I mean? So if everyone else like stayed home on defense or, you know, th- that's still like unless he blows completely by a guy, then, yeah, I get it. You have to come off your man in the corner. But most of the time, the guard, the guard is there with him and the guy maybe has a step, but it's still a contested shot. You know, it's not like he's going to mm-hmm. just slap glass or like automatically drop off, you know, drop off dunk. I'm, I'll give you credit. Though. The drop off dunk is probably like the next best play for a smart point guard who's like, I'm kicking this to the wing. If the guy doesn't help down then i'm i'm you know putting it in my big man's bread basket for a dunk because i mean we you know we teach our guards the same thing it's like you drive to the basket you go to the basket to get to the hole and whoever's man is the one who steps up to stop you is who gets the ball so if the guy from the wing comes to get you then we're kicking it out for an open three in the corner if the guy who is you know guarding the big guy on the post is the one who steps up to get you you're dumping it down to the big guy for a layup you know i mean if you're Going to the basket, you're probably already beat your man, so somebody's either going to have to stop you or you're going to go to the basket and get a layup. So I think it's basically the lesser of two evils that you're you're trying to give away. Is you know The one thing I think that could work that I, I don't think enough teams do is you have that guy stay home you know, maybe three-quarters of the way between you know the three-pointer in the corner and the guy coming to the basket so that when that big guy does step up, if your rotations are right, you should have that guard rotating down to take away the big guy in the corner. You know when the uh, you know guard thinks that's the pass to make. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What the way I used to do this when I was playing, and I mean this is probably just a, like a really crude way to think about this, and I will move on from this rant after I say this here, is what I like to do is is fake help. You know what I mean? Is like um, make it completely look like I'm coming down, but all I'm trying to do is take away your pass to the corner. Okay, so it looks like I'm gonna, you you know, I'm really going to contest a shot, but I'm going to make sure you have no chance on putting that ball in the corner. So I'm going to be sort of there in your face. It looks like a double team, so you feel more like you have more pressure, but I probably don't actually have a shot to make a play on you. All I'm trying to do is bait you into into throwing it to the corner. Like I'm Mm -hmm. coming down here, and then as soon as you toss it, I'm I, I was waiting for I was really just waiting for that the entire time. Yeah, you know? to recover up. Yeah, right, exactly, and that worked a lot of the time for me. And so I don't know. I never see like people do that for the most part. I see people play passing lanes all the time, but like not in that way with that corner defense. That would be something I would really want to fix about the NBA. All right, I'm done ranting now. We can move on to Dallas versus uh, Oklahoma City here. Uh, nice yeah. contested game goes to overtime. We didn't get the 
the out of this world performance out of Russell Westbrook. But aside from that, what did you make from these box scores? Yeah, um, <clears throat> excuse me. The Westbrook thing was a little bit surprising to me. He was still okay. I mean, like this is how much this guy has spoiled us. He went thirty-one points, eleven assists, and five rebounds, and we're like, yeah, it's an okay game. He 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 did all right. He wasn't bad. But I mean, the main thing that I see with this Oklahoma City team is. And, and this includes Serge Ibaka in my book. There's really not another guy on the team outside of Westbrook right now who I want on any of my fantasy rosters in any type of fantasy game. You know, I keep hearing people sending us messages like, hey, do you think picking up Dion you know, Waiters and starting him is a good decision? Or, you know, what about this Roberson guy or Steven Adams or Cantor? Or, I mean, it's basically Russell Westbrook and a whole bunch of guys right now that they're rotating around him. So other than Russell Westbrook, there's not a single guy on this team that I want. I know a lot of people love Ibaka, but I, I just never really saw it with this guy. Like, to me, he's not a big-time scorer. He's a rebounder, a solid defensive player, which is great, and he's a good guy that you want to have on your team. But he's not the kind of player that I like for fantasy. Like, he doesn't put up numbers. You know, he does a lot of the little things, which, again, are great in a guy that you want on your team. But I think he's a better real-life player than a fantasy player to me. Do you agree with that? I do agree with that. The one thing I will say that people fall in love with and you have to sort of give credence to is the fact that Ibaka is a center-eligible guy in season-long leagues who can hit the three. He can shoot the three. And he does the, the, one of the rare things that a lot of centers don't do. Like you have basically like Cousins, Marcus Saul, Serge Ibaka, and then maybe a few others. Of a, is a guy who will actually shoot the, fr- the free throws well. Usually it's okay. like a, a, a spot where you get killed, you know what I mean? Which is right. why I always like grabbing Ibaka um, in the early rounds, especially like in head-to-head leagues where you're, you're constantly trying to keep up a good free throw percentage. So that part you always, um, you know, got a nice benefit from. Having said that, he does, doesn't do what a typical center does, which is, you know, for somebody who's getting paid like he is to score like a ton, you know, and, um, and he's actually like a, to me, doesn't rebound enough. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, for me, he underperforms in every category that I would want him to. to. You know, the free throw thing, I understand where you're coming from. Centers that shoot three-pointers, I ranted about that last time. I'm not going to get back into that (laughs) whole situation. And you know what? Not for nothing. The other day, DeMarcus Cousins had a horrible game, and they lost a game that they could have won because he stood out at the three-point line the whole game because he was waiting to shoot threes instead of getting his butt down into the block where it should have been and where he could have made an impact on that game. But again, I'm not going to go off on that rant again, so that's fine. <laughs> Even though you just did? <laughs> yes. Well, I, it was a mini one. I'm not going to go off on the whole one. But okay. yeah, Ibaka shooting threes to me, you know, it doesn't really it doesn't really do much. I mean, like I said, Westbrook is the only guy in this team that I'd really want. And even looking over at Dallas well, right now. One thing that you have to quickly but, mention that I did not mention that's over sort of overlooked in this whole deal is that he is one of the best shot blockers in the league. Okay, so you, he's a top five shot blocker in the league. It's him, Gobert, DeAndre Jordan, Andre Drummond are all monster shot blockers. He's in that group. I think he's actually led the league in block shots before. So that's where he he overperforms in threes. He's above average at for uh, um, for center for for free throw shooting, which is actually well, actually he's very good for, for center free throw shooting, and he is a top five shot blocker. So that's what you get out of him. You're not getting the traditional stuff like the in the paint, double digit rebounds. You know that all all that sort of stuff from him. So he's just a sort of you have to almost treat him like it's like okay, I own him as a center, but he's kind of like a little bit more like a wing, actually, who blocks yeah, shots. So he, he's a better guy to own than Stephen Adams. Congratulations. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's basically what <laughs> I'm getting. I hear a lot of venom for the three point shooting centers, man. It was like because the, because that's not their job. Like it, like if there it, was but a it center is their was, job if they if the coaches want it to be. No, it's their job if they can legitimately shoot. Like these guys that are shoot. quote unquote. No, he can't. I'm sorry. He's not a shooter. Like, if you hit one every once in a while, that's fine. But he's it's not a high-percentage shot. Like, if I'm a coach, I don't want to run a play to win a game to get Serge Ibaka. You're telling me that, like, 30, 37, 38% from three from the center isn't legit? But that's what I'm saying is you're, you're saying it like, like they should be rewarded for being a center that can shoot threes. Like, do what you do. Do what your job is. Do what I'm paying you for. I don't want my point guards down there rebounding on offense. I don't want my centers down there shooting threes. You get down in the post where you belong. See, this is you where stay you're, outside. Like, you're like your coach, like your, your your coaching philosophy, like take over your fantasy basketball dumb. Because Jason Kidd was like one of the best rebounding point guards of all and time. Again, and, and Russell Westbrook, like I'm fine with those guys getting in there and rebounding on the defensive end. But on the offensive end, I don't want my point guards worried about rebounding. 
And Jason Kidd was a special chance because Jason Kidd is one of those point guards that couldn't shoot a lick. So he's another guy I don't care. I don't want him to. No, even at the end of his career, he might have had a better percentage. He still wasn't a very good shooter, though. You just didn't like the form. You just don't like the form looks ugly. But he became a pretty decent three-point shooter. He wasn't like he was never going to be like a knockdown, like a like a legit like Curry, like where it's just smooth, you know. Like, see, but, but that's what I'm saying. It's like I like what Golden State does because, and it's not that they have all those shooters, but that obviously helps. But the guys on their team who are shooters shoot the ball. The guys on their team who are not shooters don't shoot the ball. What about if Draymond you have Green? Guys- Draymond Green goes against your philosophy, bro. Draymond Green shooting a three. He's a four. I agree with you. But Draymond Green is not the main shooter on that team. It's not like he's hanging out at the three-point line looking to get three-point shots off. If he's open, he'll shoot one. That's fine. But most of the time when he gets the ball out there, he's actually looking to set up the rest of the offense. That's why he winds up with a whole bunch of assists. It's okay if a guy's playing that. And there are guys that can shoot, you know, like – you know, when Pau Gasol gets the ball at the at the foul line or that area right there, I'm okay with it if he shoots. He's a decent shooter. You know, Ibaka even from that range, from that 12 to 15-foot range, I'm fine with. But when he starts stepping out beside the three-point line, it's not really his game, you know, and that's and that's kind of where I have a problem with it. Like, I, you give extra credence to big guys that can hit a three. To me, it just it doesn't make any sense to me because I don't think that they should be or are going to be shooting enough of them for it to really make a huge difference on me wanting them on my fantasy team or not. Oh, because he can shoot a three. Well, I'd rather take the guy who's going to get, you know, 18 points and 10 rebounds and do that consistently than the guy who's going to get 15 points and seven rebounds. But, hey, every once in a while he's going to hit a three for me. You know what I mean? We're going to have to disagree to disagree here because Sergio Baca has, um, let's see here, from, from a field goal percentage standpoint, like up until last year where he had where like the three point shooting volume had to increase because Kevin Durant was out all season, they needed him to score more. That's where the like the, the, the three point attempts ticked up over three a game, but he was taking less than one a game and shooting over thirty five percent for, you know, the better four the basically four seasons now. So, you know, right. So he, and I like that. With one a game, I'm okay with that. Okay, so then we don't have to argue about Ibaka because he's not really shooting that many, that many of them. Now, DeMarcus Cousins is a different story for you because DeMarcus Cousins is shooting it like Reggie Miller right now. So, um, yeah, that's a different story. But I'm I'm a, what I don't you know I'm never going to hate on DeMarcus Cousins because you know that's my boy. So he does enough he does enough other things though where I'll, I'll forgive him for a three here and there. All right, let's move. No, he's, He's going to put up some numbers. All right, let's move on from this here. Really quickly for Dallas, Chandler Parsons um, went for 12 points. We mentioned that already. Uh, let's see here. Wesley Matthews got up to 31 minutes. He uh, scores 18 points, three rebounds. So he's pretty probably pretty much close to getting back to full strength. You like that. Zaza Pachulia has one of his better games of his of, the, of his season here. 12 points, uh, 10 rebounds, six assists, and three blocks. So that's pretty nice. And then really nothing else to, to note. Dwight Powell's minutes are starting to tick down a little bit, but that might be related to the fact that uh, Pachulia was having like pretty, a pretty strong game overall. Mm. Um, Golden State and Denver. Golden State um, had to battle Denver for quite a while here, but they do what they always do, put teams away and cover at the end and hit the over. So we're all happy about that overall. Nothing to really note of about um, what happened here. Is This is just a testament to how good the, the Warriors are. Steph Curry um, only scored 19 points, had seven assists, and actually four turnovers, which tied for the lead of the team. Uh, Draymond Green also had four turnovers. He only scored 13 points. Um, Clay Thompson actually shot below 50%. He scored 21 points. And then there's some somehow just still find a way to win overall. So um, we, we didn't literally learn too much else um, from the rest of this here. Will Barton still played 27 minutes, and looks like uh, Mike Malone still really trusts Gary Harris. He plays like a team high 34 minutes and scored 12 points with three rebounds. So it seems like that, that um, sort of issue isn't going to go away. Moody had a bad game, six of 21, but this is, I'm just going to check this, chalk this up to rookie blues. And we knew that he was going to be a bad shooter to start with anyways. And we already talked about Jokic going for 11, 11. So nothing else to really know other than Darrell Arthur got into the starting lineup and played 20 and went up for 21 and eight. Do you think that's repeatable or maybe just sort of a function of all the injuries they have? Kind of free to not play by the way. Yeah, I think that, you know, that's basically just he got those minutes because of all the injuries that were going on. I'm not really Running trying to mess. Ever. Yeah, I'm not trying to mess around with all the J.J. Hickson, Darrell Arthur. You know, I'm not, I'm not messing around with all that. You know, eventually Farid will be back. And when he is, those are going to be his minutes. Um, one thing I want to mention on Golden State, though, is Harrison Barnes is legit. Like, if you if you haven't been watching this guy, he's playing over 30 minutes this year. 
He's stroking a jump shot like we all knew he could. I mean, even since dating back to his University of North Carolina days. But I feel like he's getting a few more minutes now. And people used to think that him and Iguodala were splitting minutes. But now I feel like he's almost getting some time at the two guard to give Clay a little bit of a break there. He's getting, you know, most of his minutes at the three. So when they put Iguodala in, you know, Iguodala's still getting his 25 minutes a game. But you're still getting 30 out of Harrison Barnes. So at 30 minutes with him, he's getting a few more shot attempts. Again, like we said, he can stroke the jump shot. So he's somebody that I really like because he can contribute across the board. He's pretty big for, uh, you know, two-guard small forward. So he can rebound for you. He'll pick up a few assists. So even though he's like the third, fourth, fifth option on this team, you know, he's somebody that I I would still want to have on a fantasy team if I was in a deeper league. Uh, if he was my small forward in like a 12-man league, I wouldn't be upset about it. All right, fair enough. I think it's a, a very fair assessment. And I've always liked Harrison Barnes, but we just know that he's going to be third fiddle, fiddle at best overall. And Clay and Curry are the two guys that you want to own. But I'm with you. Like you can, He's definitely ownable and playable. And, he, and, the, and the Warriors are scoring so much that you know that he's going to you know, be able to like secure his piece of the pie. All right, um, let's go ahead and talk about the last game of the night here. The Portland Trailblazers uh, cruise to victory over the L.A. Lakers 107-93. to Your thoughts on these box scores? I mean, the one thing I want everybody to realize is whoever your point guard is, when he plays the Lakers, you want to put him in there because they just don't stop anybody. Point guards against them have been just having huge games all season long, and to be honest, centers pretty much have been too. So point guards and centers against the Lakers kind of seem to be a thing this year. Again, we talked about the Lakers. They don't play much defense, so you can pretty much start anybody against them. A um, couple things that you know I wanted to point out. I don't really know what's going on with the power forward spot here in Portland. Um, I know Noah Vonla is a guy that you like. I don't think he's doing enough for me to want to put him on my fantasy team yet. Not but yet. he is getting the, he yeah he is getting minutes. So mm-hmm. it's somebody that. You know, you click that little flag if you're playing on, like, Yahoo, the, you know, keep an eye, a watch on this guy for some point. Mm-hmm. But right now, I just don't think he's getting enough. They're, it's, they're splitting it between him, between Ed Davis. You know, I mean, Aminu's playing a little bit of four, depending on how the matchups go and stuff like that. To me, the only guys you really want to worry about, I do actually like Mason Plumley. I got to be honest, especially with Myers Leonard out. If you could have picked this guy up off of the uh, waiver wires, I think he's a solid guy that you could pick up. You know, to, to give yourself a little more depth at center until Myers comes back. When, uh, you know, Myers Leonard comes back, then I think the two of them are going to split again. But for now, with Leonard out, he's been seeing, you know, 25 to 35 minutes in most of these games. And he's going to put up, you know, 15 and, and, and 8 when he does that. So he's definitely somebody who's useful. On the other side for the Lakers, literally, other than Jordan Clarkson, maybe Julius Randle a little bit, but he's been kind of inconsistent. There's not a single guy on this team that I want on, on any of my fantasy teams in any kind of fantasy, in any format, in any, you know, whether you're playing rotisserie or head-to-head or anything else. Yeah, I agree with you there as well. So Jordan Clarkson is the only one I really am invested in and still feel good about over owning overall. Roy Herbert is doing Roy Herbert things. You know, four blocks for 7.8 rebounds is not going to cut it. Really isn't a lot of total fantasy value to, to generate from there. I like that Julius Randle got a bunch of shots, but I don't like that he didn't do... Um, what he should have done, which is you know go five for fifteen, so he may be shooting a little bit too outside and move his game a little bit inside more. Although he's a little undersized as a four, but I do like the fact that he double doubled in that matchup. So that's that's a good, you know, I get a good sign for a young player like him who's essentially a rookie since he missed all of last season. All right, so that's going to break down. Uh, that's going to cover all the uh, Sunday box scores here. Now, Benny, before we head out, let's go ahead and tackle our top ten point guard power rankings for 2015/16. Now, the way I want to do this. Here is let's talk about point guard value for um, for right now, okay? So not what okay. not rest of the season where you think this guy is going to be like he's not in the top ten right now, but he's going to be like today he's a top ten point guard, okay? Based okay. on what he has done, and if somebody right now like let's say you were considering Mo Williams, maybe which to me it's debatable as to where he ranks, but um, if he's injured and like for and and he it could be you know he's missed a few games. You're off the list. You got to be playing right now. Okay. So no Joe Hill, no no Mo Williams is basically what I'm saying. All right. No Kyrie Irving. So I'll take that off my list here. Right. Okay, that's fine. Okay. That's still good to go. All right, let's do it. Let's let's start from like uh, do, let's go down from ten to five, and then I'll do my ten to five. Okay. Well, let's let's start at the top because that's the that's the easier way. And okay. Now okay. I gotta that's adjust fine. The bottom part of my list sure. a little bit. Okay. For, so number one. We, 
I was going to say, we could have an argument over this, but to me, you take number one and number two together, and you put Russ Westbrook and Steph Curry there. Sure. Now, there's people who can argue one side or the other on both of them. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, you get for fantasy value, if that's what we're talking. We you know, you get a, a You know, you get a few more three – well, you get a lot more three-pointers from Steph Curry. You get a lot more overall statistics coming out from, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook, a lot more usage there, so – I think I actually have Westbrook as my number one and Curry as my number two, but I'm not going to argue with anybody who has those two switched, but I will argue with anybody who has somebody else in the top two besides them. Would you agree with that? I 100% agree, and if we have to to call it today, I have Russell Westbrook one mainly because KD's out. If he's not out, it would be Curry for me for sure, okay? And it would actually be kind of close, but it would still be Curry for me. But I'm going to go with you. I'm going Westbrook one, Curry two. All right, let's let's Okay, so now this is where it actually gets a little bit interesting. Um, I actually have Damian Lillard on my list as number three, but I wouldn't argue with anybody who puts the guys I have four, five, and six as well. And the guys that I have there, we can talk about the second tier and anybody you want to add to it. The guys I have four, five, and six are Bledsoe, Lowry, and John Wall. So for me, the next tier below that Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry tier, is guys like Damian Lillard, who I have on top, mostly because of the team that he plays on and his role on that team, where they basically, anytime they're in a close game, they just said, go ahead, go ahead, Lillard, go win, go win this for us. Um, but then right below him and right there with him, I have guys like Lowry, Bledsoe, and Wall. I actually might have Bledsoe 4, Lowry 5, Wall 6 in, in my rankings there. So how does that jive with what you got? Um, you know what? I love the fact. I love what Kyle Lowry is doing this season. I wish he was shooting a little bit of a better percentage overall, but I think he's just a um, like a little bit of a more complete player overall versus Eric Bledsoe. But it's like splitting hairs. So yeah, much. it's cl- it's very close. I wouldn't very, argue very that close. one either way. If you wanted to go four or five or five right. four, so I, I have two. Kyle Lowry three, and I think he, because well, I know he's yeah. Uh, I, I, I have him a little bit ahead of, uh, of Lillard. He's a little bit more of a complete player. He steals more, and he's got a better assist-to-turnover ratio by a little bit. So, um, But I, but I'm going to put Lillard's four, and then I, you know what? I expect Lillard to pass him, actually, because I, I actually think where he's at right now at 25 a game is a little bit low for him, to, to be honest with you. And I mean, honestly, you know, like I actually – and you know this. We talked about this at the beginning of the season. I had Lowry in my top five, and, and we, we debated it a little bit. I love Kyle Lowry. I love his game. Mm-hmm. The reason I have Lillard higher than him is basically because of the pace that the two teams play at. Like Toronto plays at a little slower pace. So if we're talking like overall fantasy value, you know, Portland plays up and down breakneck speed. Right. So I think that that just gives Lillard a chance to have a little bit more pr- production, especially in the scoring department. No, I totally agree with you. That's your. I think you're 100 percent right on. And I wouldn't. I wouldn't put fault anybody who had Lillard three um, over Lowry. So I have Lillard, Lowry, Bledsoe three, four, five. Um, and then how do you have your six through ten? Okay, I have. Um, like I said, John Wall would be number six for me. Okay. I have, and this one might be a little bit high for him, but I think with his production so far this year, I'm okay with it. I have. Reggie Jackson actually is my number seven after him. Um, I have Chris Paul based on what they're doing now. I mean, if we were doing this two months from now, Paul might be up there in like the three, four, five range for me. But right now I have Chris Paul at eight because he just hasn't been playing all that well. I know he's playing through injury, so I don't want to knock the guy for it. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, we're talking about production right now. So that's where I have him now. Uh, Number nine, I have Isaiah Thomas. And then number 10 was tough for me because I have like five names written down here. And if we're talking strict fantasy production, I think I'm going to say Ricky Rubio. But he's not like my top 10 favorite point guard. But the numbers that he puts up for fantasy, I think he would sneak in there as my number 10 over guys like Kemba Walker, Jeff Teague, uh, Jared Jack, like... You know, Mike Conley. Those are some of the other names that I had down here on that list. All right. So for me, I actually have Rajon Rondo six. Okay. Oh, I didn't even, why did I not even have Rondo on that list? Yeah, Rondo <laughs> has to be in this list somewhere yes, okay. as well. Rajon Rondo has been an absolute monster right now. And then I have Chris Paul seven. I know he's been injured on him, but he's back. And you know that we know that what he's capable of, and he double doubles um, in the last game overall, and just sort of shot well, shot poorly the past two games, but he's still averaging seventeen and eight per game. And we know that when he gets going, I mean, he's right now sitting at three assists per game. He's a guy who can really get up to like four, four and a half overall. So I'll have Rondo six, uh, Chris Paul seven, Isaiah Thomas uh, eight, Mike Conley nine for me, and then John Wall 
when John Wall does what he should be doing, which is get to um, get to a better um, field goal percentage than, than, than he's currently shooting, because 415 is so low for a guy who doesn't shoot a lot of threes like he does. All right, and he mm. needs to score more than 16 a game to get to an elite level. The assists are fine, but he also should be closer to Kyle Lowry in terms of steals. Kyle Lowry's up at 2.7, closer, and John Wall should be close to closer to three steals a game too, because he to me is one of the best defenders in the game. Like for, for when we looked at it, like point guard defense last season, it was like Chris Paul one, John Wall two. You never really wanted to play your your guy if he was facing either one of those guys. So John mm. Wall has to get that swag back to that roster, and then we'll see John Wall and then Chris Paul like you know push their way back into the top five once all things are um you know all all cylinders so that's how i have that breaking down overall your thoughts on that yeah i mean you know the the six through ten list i, I fluid, can't believe i forgot right? rondo but yeah. yeah i mean you could make an argument for a lot of those guys and like you said you know right now might be a different list than we have two or three weeks from now sure. but i agree with a lot of the guys you know we have a lot of the same guys in there you know chris paul is somebody who i think should be higher but again, he's not playing that great right now. You know, I think I like Wall a little bit more than you do, um, because basically the th- my thing with Wall is he contributes solidly, not just like a rebound or two rebounds. He contributes solidly in the rebounding category. He's actually down a little bit on his assists from last year, even though he still got like eight a game, I think, or something like that. His scoring is down a little bit, so he hasn't even been playing as well as he could. And he's still one of the, you know, probably, I don't know, I think he's probably like seven or eight overall right now for point guard production. Um, I don't have my Yahoo page open, but, uh, you know, if you look at it, he's probably the seventh or eighth best fantasy point guard to this point so far in the season. A uh, guy like Isaiah Thomas has been phenomenal. I'm surprised that you don't have Reggie Jackson on your list. Uh, you know what? Let's see here. Um, I would actually take Wall off for Reggie Jackson. Okay. Let's, okay, let's I know. That. Well, I know you're actually a bigger Reggie Jackson fan than I am. That's yeah. why I asked. Mm-hmm. John John Wall um, has, just hasn't played nearly as well as he should, and we still haven't seen John Wall still doing the Jason Kidd thing. Like, oh, I'm not that good of a shooter, so I'm just not going to shoot that much. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he needs to get over that and figure his shot out. So, yeah, I'm I'm definitely with you there. I, the Reggie Jackson is a guy I kind of slept on, but you're you're definitely yeah. right. I, I I like him as a uh, top ten point guard for the, for right now and for the season. Yeah, and then the Rondo thing I can't argue with. He's been phenomenal lately. I can't believe I missed it. Like, honestly, you know what it was? I'm just thinking of, like, the point guards of all the teams as I'm going through. And because... You should be, like, the... You should have a Rondo jersey or something. Like, he plays the exact way that you want a point guard to play. Well, except for the fact that he doesn't shoot very well. And I also have a problem with him overpassing. Because there are times where he will literally get to the basket and have a wide-open layup. And he'll go up to shoot that wide open layup, and then he'll kick it out because somebody else has a wide open corner three, and that drives me nuts. It's like just take the two <laughs> points, take the two points. Like I know that guy's open in the corner, but take your two points here. You know, like that that just kind of drives me a little bit nuts. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, he he is sort of guilty of that in in some spots. All yeah. right, that is going to wrap it up for the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast for today, presented by DraftKings.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget, you can check us out on iTunes and Stitcher for your downloading convenience. So be sure to give us a rating, a review. Don't forget to subscribe. Best of luck to you in all your fantasy basketball contests. And don't forget to follow Benny on Twitter, at BennyR11, and send all your comments, complaints, and questions to me, at Josh Hayes FS. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.